Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go Hockey Podcast. This week's episode, I have an exciting guest, guy, I was going to say kid, but a guy that I used to coach when he was a kid, Mr. Jacob Doty, currently playing in the AHL for the Ontario Reign. Uh, with me, before we get into the interview, with me as always, who do we have? Danny Heath. Danny Heath of Project Hockey. Um, one, it's not a kid, it's not a guy, he's a man. He's a he's man. A beast. <laughs> um, super excited to have him on. It's cool. Like the hockey world is so cool. Like within a second of the interview, like he knows all so, he knows all my best buddies, and so we we obviously got along. Um, you know, if you if he wouldn't have taken the WHL route and played in the USHL, I probably would have fought him and beat him up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, he's not the guy I would have went after. Um, but uh, I'm glad that he's on teams because that there's still a need. And I, I loved when he talked about fighting and how he uses it as a gauge. And I, I love that. So I'm not going to jump into it anymore, but the way he talked about it, you could tell that he takes it very seriously. And there's a reason why he's been a professional hockey player for seven years now. So I'm super pumped about that coach. What are you excited for, for the interview? Uh, you know, this was, it was good to connect with, with Doty. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share this one because, you know, I'm biased. I, I, I coach in Montana. It's a non-traditional area. Like most of the listeners here are thinking, you know, they might not even know there's hockey in Montana, um, but there is, and our players are, are starting to reach the highest levels. And Doty's an example of that, you know, I coached him back for a season when he was 15, um, you know, coming right out of Montana hockey, he's made a career for himself. He's been, you know, playing, you know, he, he's put, he's pulled on an NHL sweater. You know, he's, he did some preseason games and he's playing, he's made a career in the AHL and a couple other levels, but I, I just love that I'm sharing or the, you know, that we are sharing, um, you know, another example of a, of a guy who's followed his dreams and his passions, made a career in professional hockey ranks coming from a non-traditional hockey market. You know, we talked about, uh, was your buddy, uh, is it Brickley, right? Brickley was on he, Utah guy, double a hockey playing in Utah. He's playing, he's a professional hockey player, Sam Lafferty, double a guy in rural Pennsylvania. He's a professional hockey player for the Penguins now. And, you know, Doty's another example of that. I mean, he played single a hockey in Montana most of his life, a little bit of double a, and all of a sudden he's, he kicks into junior hockey and he starts, starts, you know, flying up the ranks and has a professional career as a result. So I think it's, uh, I'm just excited to share his path in hockey and, and show that like wherever you're coming from, you know, there's a way to make that happen. And Doty's a really good example about that and finding about, you know, what kind of player he is and what brought him through the ranks. So, um, you know, on top of that, he's a good dude. I just, I like, I've always liked Jake. He's a good guy. I'm, I'm glad to reconnect with him and talk with him on the interview. So I think that's all I got, man. I'm, I'm excited to put it out there. Yes. I love this one. Um, he's, he's spent a lot of time in the game and if you want to get better at hockey practice, develop all those good things, but talk to people who have been around a long time in the game and who have done it at the highest level. There's only, and I don't want to, I don't want to be fact checked on this, but it's pretty cool when you play in a league that has only three letters, right? The NHL or the AHL, like those are the two best leagues. And so it's pretty special when you do that. Um, But yeah, let's jump into this. I guess the KHL too, either way, but Super excited uh, to jump into this one. Hit that like button and, and let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. 
Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Originally hailing from Billings, Montana, he played junior hockey for the Yellowstone Quake and the Norpac, followed by a jump up to the WHL, playing for the Seattle Thunderbirds and following up a career with the Medicine Hat Tigers, where he's an assistant captain for the 2013-2014 season. After his time in the WHL, he played three seasons in the ECHL and AHL for the Chicago Wolves uh, before heading over to Europe to play in the EIHL for two seasons. After returning to the U.S., he played for the ECHL Allen Americans down in Texas before joining the Ontario Reign of the AHL, the LA Kings AHL affiliate team. And before all that, I had the opportunity to coach him back when he was 15 years old playing in the NORPAC and recently reconnected with him and convinced him to help work with youth players at my elevated hockey clinics. So I'm fired up to bring on Mr. Jake Doty. Jake, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, We're doing awesome today. Appreciate you coming on. I'm super excited. Before we jump in the background, I got to it's kind of like the the true hockey uh, conversation. Like, hey, who'd you play with? You know this guy, blah blah blah. Yeah. When you play, when you played in Chicago Wolves uh, for the Chicago Wolves, was like Ariah Hayes there or Bryce Gervais? Was that, yeah. that those yeah, guys? Both those guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Those are uh, two of my super. Good. I, so I played college hockey with those guys, um, kind of in the middle of them at Minnesota State, and so they, uh, yeah, two of the best. Bryce is Bryce is one of the best guys, and it sucks. Sucks Hazer kind of went through all his, those injuries, but uh, yeah. two of the best guys ever. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seeing what Hazy went through is tough. Oh, man, that, yeah, seeing that stuff made me sick. Yeah, but. yeah, he's crushing now, though, doing a lot of hockey stuff with this Camp 5-7. Big shout-out to him. Um, but we're not here to talk about Hazer. Uh, let's let's chat a little bit about you. How'd, you. how'd you get hooked on hockey? Like, everyone's got that story that is like, fell in love with the game because of this what's what's your story look like yeah um I I think I fell in love with it just um going to the junior local junior games with my parents um I think when I was growing up they were in the America West Hockey League um so it was tier one at the time and um we just my family and I were going to those games and uh I just fell in love with it there later later on like in elementary school we ended up billeting uh we billeted players on those teams for three years so i think that sunk the hook in even further but i was there before that nice i I guess i didn't realize you guys were connected with the bulls so we were talking about the the billings bulls they're not around these days anymore but hopefully they'll they'll come back in the the na3 that's in the footprint now but um so you got fired up excited about the game because of the the junior teams there i mean there's a lot of good players coming through that billings organization back that when back when it was tier one when it was in the AWHL, I know a lot of those guys went on to pro hockey careers and uh, in Division One careers and stuff like that. But you know, so talk a little bit about that time uh, when you were a youth hockey player. 
you know, you came up in Montana where I'm obviously where I'm, I'm not from, but where I've, I've kind of my adopted home been coaching here for a long time. It's really, it's kind of a non-traditional hockey state. You're, you're one of, you're not the only one, but you're one of the few pro hockey players to come out of Montana. Um, but let's talk about like, what was it like in youth hockey for you playing in a, in a kind of a non-traditional state? Like what are some of the memories you have from playing hockey back here? Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I'm not sure what people know about hockey Montana, but it's very, <laughs> a small community or I get, at least it was when I was growing up. Um, you know, there's the five, six, seven teams around the state. And um, some of my fond memories, obviously, um, you know, just had pretty good teams for the most part and, you know, winning, winning lots of games. Um, and then team Montana was, was a highlight of my youth hockey for sure. Just getting all the, all the best players around the state into one team and going to play against those other States uh, and traveling around playing against different players was always very fun. Yeah. I think that's uh, you mentioned team on or uh, Thunderblades. It kind of morphed into a different program and, and right. it's still kind of changing. And, but you know, that we're still doing so, something similar, bringing some of the top players in, but you know, from you made the jump from youth hockey and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you made the jump from youth hockey to junior hockey when you were like, how old were you when you played your first game of junior hockey? Cause you were young. Oh, yeah, I was 14. So up until my last year of Bantam, I think I was, I think I was a freshman in high school. My last year at Bantam, I was playing both tier three and Bantam at the same time. Like just sometimes playing two games in a day. Like if, yeah. if both teams were in Billings, I would play at, you know, two o'clock with the Bantam team and then dress at seven for the, for the junior team. So um, I did that up until January 1st that season. And then uh, USA hockey gave my dad a ring and said, <laughs> look, look, uh, he's got to, he's got to pick one the rest of the year, whether it's Bantam or, uh, or junior. And, uh, really? I decided you, can't, you yeah. can't do that, huh? I, I guess not. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so they I literally, was, I don't know if it was because of you exactly Doty, but like, you don't hear of 14 year olds playing junior hockey's like ever. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, I know you were a big, strong kid back then, you know, physically you could do it, but like USA hockey, like shortly after your age group like made a rule you had to be like for a while it's 15 i think it's bumped up to maybe even 16 now um but like you can't be 14 and play juniors anymore and i think it may be the jake doty rule i'm not sure i'll bet you i'll I'll bet you you're beating up on some bantam kids and some (laughs) hockey mom or dad called and was like hey this guy can't play in the junior in junior hockey and against us bantams like he's got to pick yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the story was, but yeah, I, I ended up staying, um, and playing Bantam, um, for the rest of that year and then made the jump full time, uh, to junior that next season. Yeah. And so that was the year when you jumped full time to Yellowstone Quake, that was the year that you and I got to work. I was an assistant coach on that team for, for a while, um, until I went overseas in January, but the first part of that season was helping out and, um, got to coaching. I remember, you know, so I remember when you, you made that jump from Billings down to Cody's not too far away, but I know that was a big, a big deal for you as a 15 year old to go, go play full time. So talk about like your, your head, like what was in your head or like, what was your thoughts, you and your family, as you'd made that decision of like, I'm going to, as a 15 year old, jump into junior hockey and literally start playing against 20 year olds night in, night out. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a funny situation. Obviously I played with Billings um, as a 14 year old. So they had had my rights and then, that the summer in between my 14 and 15 year old year, uh, the league decided to have an entry draft kind of thing. And, um, I ended up being selected by Yellowstone, 
Um, uh, they had a new coach and we're kind of, you know, turning things around. So I got drafted by them and I was kind of like, well, I don't know what's going on. Didn't really know what was happening. I went to Billings camp still like Yellowstone let me, I, they were going to let me stay home if I wanted to, they weren't going to force my hand in any way. Um, I was 15 years old. Right. So, uh, I went to Billings camp and they were like, yeah, come back for main camp. We'll see what happens. Um, and that the next week I went to Cody's camp, like their summer camp. And I broke my thumb on the first shift, uh, just kind of a weird play into the boards and, uh, broke my thumb, had to have surgery the next day. And, uh, I was just kind of hanging around the rink after, after my surgery, watching the games or a couple days later. And the coach was just like, Hey, if, if you, you know, when you're healthy, if you want to, if you want to stay here, if you want to play, like, um, you know, I'd, I'd still love to have you, you'll, you could, you know, jump right in the lineup. And, uh, after what, you know, was said to me in camp and Billings, I was, was kind of like, you leave, um, you know, I don't know what, what'll happen with the roster and that kind of thing. So I, I, I kind of just decided, I knew I was going to have to move if I was going to play like, um, higher level junior hockey, I was going to have to move at some point. And, um, the, the, I think I was just, I think I just wanted almost to accelerate the, the junior process. So I decided to stay in Cody and, you know, rehab my broken thumb and jumped into the lineup when I got healthy and, um, you know, kind of went off from there, but I, I don't, I don't really know thinking back why I decided to do that. I, I think I was just excited, knew I was going to have to do it at some point. It was only an hour and a half away. And my parents kind of just left it up to me, which I, you know, I, I think it was very, you know, very cool of them to do to, you know, not push me one way or the other, let me make a choice for myself. And, um, you know, so I ended up staying in Cody and um, things worked out. I think it was, it was a good experience. I, you know, did a lot of growing up there. Did, did you spend your junior and senior year there then in high school? Uh, sophomore, junior, sophomore, junior. Yeah. sophomore, junior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's uh that's an early jump, right? And I, I mean, I remember when I, I went to the USHL my senior year and I felt like, I was like, wow, it's way too young for me. So I can only imagine um, yeah. going as a 14, 15, 16 year old. What, um, so let's chat about that. Like the idea. So you went there early, so you still got a pretty good junior experience. That's not like major junior. And then you right. decided to forego um, college and go to major juniors. Like what, what went into that decision um, was it just that Minnesota state wasn't recruiting you or, <laughs> or maybe they were, I don't know if they were or not. I'm just messing, but, uh, I, uh, I like to talk about Minnesota state a lot on this podcast. Uh, yeah, I think that's the first time you've ever mentioned that. Did you play there, Danny? Yeah, so most winning is college in the last nine years. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about the decision. Like that's a, that's a tough one to make. Um, when you, when you go, I mean, Let's chat through that. Yeah. So um, my assistant coach in Yellowstone there, um, his his father was the assistant coach in Seattle. So, um, you know, my assistant coach's name was Jordan. And I think kind of under the table called his called his dad and said, like, hey, I think I think I have a kid you might want to look at. And so um, he he came down, watched a game and, uh, you know, Seattle offered me a tender. I was still 15 at the time. So, you know, it was, it was one of those things that just kind of 
happen like that again it's just like the like the decision of going to junior rather than staying at home it, it just kind of happened organically I knew I mean I knew of the Western League I didn't really you know I I don't I never I was I, I honestly think I was so naive I didn't know like I had a chance of playing there ever or if I did I didn't think it was going to be when I was 16 you know so um yeah so I ended up signing that tender and went out to Seattle at the end of the season kind of practice with the team for a few days um you know see see what things were like and so I did that at the end of the season they're like yeah come back to training camp if you'd like and and we'll see what happens so you know, I, I ended up doing that, going to training camp and then started the year in Seattle as a 16 year old and um, played ha- a handful of games and decided, uh, well, the team decided I didn't decide, but the team decided I needed a little more time. So I went back to tier three for one more year, but um, going, going from tier three to the Western league was to answer the question, just one of those, one of those things that was presented and I, I decided to jump on it and uh, didn't really think much of it at the time I, I I you know it's just one of those things that happen for sure that's awesome so yeah you ended up having uh was it was like was it three seasons in Seattle or is it two something like that two and a two and a bit two, two 16 bit. handful of games as a 16 year old then full-time as a 17 18 gotcha and then two more years after that with medicine app but let me jump back real quick so the guy you're talking about tags Jordan McTaggart I, I've been talking to him like I've like reconnected with him too Best guy ever. He's working with uh, awesome. the Wenatchee AAA program, coaching the 18 AAA. And uh, yeah. I'm trying to pump more Montana kids to him. So we're trying to yeah. follow your footsteps, go work with Tags over in Wenatchee and those guys. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. No, I, I, I I love Tags. I keep – keep. we talk a couple times a year probably, but uh, I, I owe a good chunk of my career to him and his dad. That's that's for sure. They, get, they got the ball, ball rolling, so – yeah, good Thanks, people. Thanks. Tags, Tags is the best man. I talked to him just the other day. I gotta get we, Danny. We gotta get him on the show here. He's a good dude. Um, yeah. So, so you jumped into the WHL. You ended up playing, you know, four and some change seasons there, um, and you definitely found some success on the ice and and found yourself in the penalty box uh, a, a few times here and there. As you told me one time over coffee, you, you you know you brought some sandpaper to your team and you're the sandpaper guy, but, uh, what kind of preparation, you know, I mean, the jump from WHL versus like tier three hockey is like, it's a big difference. Right. And what kind of preparation or training, you know, over the course of a couple of seasons in the WHL did it help you to really excel and become an assistant captain and then prime you to make that jump into pro hockey? Yeah. I mean, I mean, training's come so far since then. And that, I mean, it's, that's crazy to say. Cause I, I, I mean, I think I was one of the, you know, our generation was one of the, maybe the first, first hockey specific training at the time. But yeah, I, I mean, I just did a lot of stick handling, working on my skills and then the weights and weights and cardio. So um, yeah, I think that was a big difference is you're in tier three hockey shape. And then here's, the Western hockey league shape, you know, it's, it's a huge jump and it definitely took, took a little figuring out for me, to be honest. I think I was a little behind the curve as it, as a young buck, but um, I, I figured it out and um, you know, I, I, I'm still learning as, as a seventh year pro, I'm still, you know, dialing in my training and definitely don't have it, you know, perfect by any means. 
And so now kind of getting into the pro career, you're kind of leading us perfectly into these next steps. Like, <laughs> um, Let's chat about that. Like the jump going from now junior hockey. And it's obviously different when you go to the Western league. Cause you don't, I mean, you gotta be ready when you're, you're 21, 20 years old to, to make that jump to the pros. Um, what was that like? And, and what was your mindset when you're just, when you're approaching professional hockey games and, and starting your pro career? Yeah, so this it's another thing. It's may, maybe making me sound a little unprepared, but um, <laughs> you know, going going into my twenty year old year in the Western League, there's a there's an overage limit. So as a, as a twenty year old, you're called an overage, and each team can only have three. Mm-hmm. And um, that year, heading into training camp in Medicine Hat, I think we had seven. Like we had we had seven nineteen year olds a year before. We were all coming back to camp, kind of having a dog fight to you know we 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 knew who the top four were probably. And I, I figured I was three or four um, somewhere. So I honestly didn't know if I was going to make the team in medicine hat. And then past that, I didn't know if I was going to be able to play somewhere else in the WHL as a 20 year old. So, you know, I was, I really didn't know what I was, what was going to happen going into my 20 year old year. I had a good summer of training and stuff and, you know, wanted to stay in medicine hat, but I didn't really know what was going to happen. And then uh, right before um, you know, I went to medicine at training camp, uh, got invited to St. Louis's, um, rookie tournament. And that's where, that's where my pro hockey started kind of that. And that came out of nowhere. But, um, so the, the difference, I mean, just it all, everything happened so fast. I didn't really have a bunch of time to prepare for a pro hockey career because I genuinely didn't think it was something that I was going to be doing. <laughs> which it sounds crazy, but. Yeah. So, I mean, you say, you're saying you're not, you weren't necessarily prepared. I think you're just kind of being humble, but I think it's a good point to maybe grab is that like at every level, you know, like it wasn't necessarily that you were going to stick there and you had to stick there for hard work. And I think, you know, in conversations I've had with you off, off, you know, off this recording and just over coffee and stuff, you know, a lot of it, you know, you're, you're a hard worker and that's kind of the, the what you bring to that team is that hard nosed play and that, you know, that work ethic. And, you know, you brought that through your, when I coached you to higher levels of juniors and into pros. And like you said, you skated with the blues organization for, for a little bit before kind of finding a spot with the Chicago wolves and the AHL and, and moving on. But, you know, talk about that, you know, maybe we'll focus on the pro part of it, but it's been, you know, your whole career, but like any um, like mindset you have when you're approaching, maybe like more specific in the game, not the season as a whole, but, you know, knowing that you're going to be put on the ice against, you know, potentially some other, some other top players and, and, you know, what your role is for those teams and kind of, you know, what do you, what's your day look like on, on game day that, you know, knowing what you're going to go into that night uh, on the ice? Yeah, I, I think, you know, a game day for me is pretty standard, um, you know, breakfast, go to the rink and um, come back and nap, but, uh, on the way to the rink, I'm, you know, I, I know, you know, I'm a physical guy. Um, if, if you do a little research on me, I, I do have high penalty minutes. Um, and so <laughs> that's, that is, that is part of my game, but you know, it's, this isn't the nineties anymore and you're not, you're not going to be around if you're unable to keep up with the play and contribute. So, um, you know, but, uh, heading into a night for me, I know, you know, I, I know I need to be physical and, you know, keep, keep things simple, um, to, to be able to contribute. And, um, you know, my mindset is just 
to do that and try and be consistent. That's my, that's my huge thing. And, um, you know, if, if, you know, I think, I think the biggest compliment, um, you can get is, is your team knows what you're going to, what they're getting from you every, each and every night. And, you know, I, I try and I'm trying to make that a staple of my game is, is being the same every night. Everyone knows what they're getting from me. Um, it might, might not be two goals and an assist, but you know what, I'm going to be hard to play against. So, you know, I, I, I hang my hat on that. For sure. And I think like that, you're right. The game has changed from like when you started back in the WHL, I'm sure um, you've obviously noticed that, but the idea now that like, and, and it's pretty cool the way hockey's going. Cause there's guys that are putting up penalty minutes, but also playing on that third and fourth line and like playing a regular shift. And if you can't do that, your career isn't going to go very far. And for you now, I think it's your seventh year professional hockey. Like, you've obviously been able to, to be consistent, um, not just with, you know, the hard nose type of stuff, but that, that is a big piece of the game. And I'd love to love to chat about that. Like, obviously you're, you're no stranger to, to drop in the gloves and kind of talking about that process. Um, kind of what, what goes into that? Because it's, it's like one thing, like back in the day, you drop your gloves and be like, Hey, I might get another one. And then my game's over. But now it's like, I got to drop my gloves but then I also have to know what four track are running. I got to know what we're doing here. I got to know what we're right. doing there. I got to know penalty kill stuff. And so I guess my, my over all, all question, just like what, what piece of that played a role, like the fighting piece. And um, if you can just dive into that a little bit and kind of what that, that uh, did for your game. Yeah. I, I, th- I think fighting is, you know, I mean, I, I don't think it's a secret. It's the, maybe not the main reason, but it's a huge reason of why I've been able to stick around, especially in the American league. Um, you know, I think, I think I do bring that element and, you know, I like that and there's not a ton of it, but like you said, uh, you know, it's not one of those things that every single night I'm picking, picking the biggest guy, Hey, we're fighting twice. And I, and that, those are my two shifts of the night. Like that's, that's, those days are long gone, you know, it's, gone. it's, but that those days are, it, you know? yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And th- those, like you said, you have to know if, if your coach isn't able to trust you, like you're not going to be in the lineup, you're not going to be in the league. So, you know, I, I think, and I think that's a good thing. Like I'm, I'm all for fighting. Obviously I, I, you know, I like it. I think it should be a part of the game. I think it will continue to be a part of the game, but, yeah. I do like the fact that it's not the wild west also, you know, and, and I agree. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. And I didn't mean to cut you off there. Sorry, but no, I think like, like the idea, like hockey's the only ge- game that can legit police itself. Um, like if there were no refs, like obviously I think we need refs, that'd be nuts, but I think we could <laughs> do it without refs. Um, some okay. nights I wish we didn't have them. Um, but the idea of like, fighting and, and maybe this will help some some parents or guardians or whoever's listening that like they can't figure out why fighting is in the game like you're not always super upset with the guy that you're lining up to fight what what are some reasons that you might fight somebody besides like you know because everyone can see oh they just hit my teammate from behind time to answer the bell but right. what are some other reasons that you might drop the gloves yeah i i, I think like you said, the one, you know, the protection, you know, you don't like a hit. Yeah. You don't like an, it almost an eye for an eye. It's, it's not that 
obviously, but you know, there's, if I finish a big hit and someone wants to come avenge or stick up for their teammate, I'm going to oblige. And, and, and that's, that's another thing is you don't have to fight. Like no one has to fight. The instigator rule is, is not a thing. And that's, that's some of the, some of the issue I have with some of this stuff is, you know, if someone gets hurt in a fight, it's like, it's a choice. It's still a choice um, most of the time. So, um, but yeah, I like, I like to use fighting as like a temperature gauge. Like if, if things are running a little hot in the game, you know, I think a fight can actually cool things down a little bit, you know, I settle everything, you know, okay. Those, those guys did it. And then everything, everyone goes back to just playing the normal game. Um, I think that can go the other way um, as you know, things are, my team's flat. We aren't playing well. You know, if, if I could get into a fight and, um, you know, crank the energy up a little bit and give my team a jump, I'll, I'll do that. So I, I think that's um, the ways I, I think of it. And, you know, it's it takes a little bit to learn um, when to do it, when not to. And, you know, that's just all part of reading the game. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. I know it's, uh, you know, we don't talk about fighting too much on this, but it's part of the game. And I appreciate you being candid and, and giving your opinion. And I really like the, what you said about, like, you don't have to fight. And that's for a lot of kids coming up, you know, like just this past weekend, a couple of the players I work with a lot went to their first ever junior combine, right? And they're like 15, 16 years old. And a couple of those kids were really nervous because they're like, you know, one kid was a big kid. One kid's a small finesse kid. And they both are like, I'm going to a junior combine. Like, am I going to have to fight kids there? And I'm like, no, you're really, you're not like, unless you're the one trying to go fight guys, like you're not going to do it if, if that's not your game and that's not what you're all about. So I think that's a good point that you point out there is that you don't necessarily have to be in it. Like it's, it's a small part of the game, even though it's still part of the game. And, it, and if it's not part of your game, it doesn't need to be part of your game either. Um, yeah. But let's let's move on to another topic there, Dodie. Uh, you know, I want to I want to talk a little bit about you know why don't you share with us what you do in the off season? Now, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit before, and I you know, but what is you know what do you do in the off season? Are you skating every day? Are you taking breaks? Are you weight training? Are you speed training? You know, nutrition stuff like what does an off season look like? Where are you spending it, and what are you doing? Yeah, so my my off seasons are a lot different than most. Um, professional guys, uh, like I said, I'm from Montana, have a house in Montana, so I don't have a ton of access to, uh, ice to regular ice anyway. So, um, you know, I, I, I focus a lot on my weight training and speed. Uh, I've, I've definitely changed the way I trained. Um, I mentioned before, you know, hockey training is always changing and it seems like it changes every year, but you know, when I was a young pro, you know, it was all about being big and strong and, you know, it's, it was all weights. Everything was weights. We were just, I mean, I, at one point, I mean, I used to play it over 225 pounds. Like I was in good shape, but carrying more weight than I needed to. And last summer I made, I changed everything. I only lifted weights three days a week and did, you know, track, like ran, ran track or, you know, the speed stuff. Uh, the other three days I'd usually do one like speed day, one jumping day, or, like one cardio, one jumping, and then just Saturday, a, a run or something. But, you know, I, I've really focused more on the speed and being quicker rather than being 
big and strong. Um, yeah, I, I, I dropped a lot of weight last summer and, you know, I think, I think it really, really helped my game to be more, um, agile and, you know, easier to get around. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the way the game is going, you're exactly right. That's the game is changing and in, in players like, you know, no matter what level you're at, you got to either, you know, adapt or die. You got to change with the game if you want to keep playing. Um, and, you know, be that, like you said earlier, that word trust, you got to be the player that your coach can trust to put in that line. So it's interesting that your, your training changes based on, you know, where you're at in your career and where you're at and that, you know, what level you're playing too. So, um, you know, and speaking of levels, I got to ask you just for my own personal pleasure here, what uh, you played basically like one and a half, two seasons in Europe. Tell me, where did you, where did you play? You played on two teams over there. Where did you play? And like, just give me an overall synopsis of your experience playing over there. Okay. Uh, I played one, one year, my first year in Glasgow, Scotland, um, in the elite ice hockey league. And, um, can't say a bad word about the experience. Um, you know, hockey is, I feel like better than it gets credit for. Um, I'd say it's very comparable to the East coast league. And, um, my first year in Glasgow, I had an awesome year. Uh, we had a great group group of people and um i had i had some success on the ice and um you know it was was a really good reset slash kickstart uh it was a second i'll say it was a second kickstart to my career it it really rejuvenated me and you know i had a tough year the year before it wasn't very happy i decided to go over there try things out and uh really rejuvenated me and you know lit lit another spark for my career and then the next year uh, I was in Nottingham, England, and um, can't say a bad thing. Can't say anything bad about that season either. Either uh, Things just didn't work out. Um, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time, and things weren't going awesome. Uh, I wish I could say that better. Things weren't going <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. Uh, so we, we ended up back in Allen, but, um, you know, there's no hard feelings towards Nottingham it just didn't work out and it, it was one of those things where I needed a little change of scenery and like I said my wife was pregnant so be a little closer to family and stuff so um but yeah the, both both were were good I'd say Glasgow I, I loved it there uh it was awesome yeah and I know I know they loved you there too from what I've, I've read about and 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 talk to some people over there, but, uh, man, what a cool experience. I always wish I was uh, better at hockey. So I could have played in, in Europe. That was always my dream. So yeah, you and I, we need to get, we need to follow up on that conversation we had about getting a camp going in Glasgow one of these days. Uh, I think, I think we need to make that happen when the, yes. when, when the time is right. Yeah. This guy loves overseas <laughs> hockey. It's all, I can, yeah, it's all I can think about. International <laughs> hockey. Yeah, yes. I was no. trying to look to see if you played. My buddy played for Nottingham, but I think he played the year. His name's Evan Mosey. I think he played the year before you. Okay. Yep. Yep. I played against him though. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was the same league, right? The year before that you played yep. in. Okay. Cool. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah. That was a. I mean, 157 pims, 35 points. Like that's a heck of a season. What? Uh, and then and then you said basically the next year you went to Nottingham and then you just wanted to come back to the states was. Was there like a reason why you left the the first team or was it, was it a trade or something or just a better? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there, it was, there's all sorts of stuff. I, I really did. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if I've talked about this. We'll see, we'll see how this goes over when people hear this, but um, yeah. So I, I was, I, I really did want to go back to Glasgow. Um, you know, it, it just kind of took, took, it took too long. Um, you know, I was still, I was still talking to them and then um, Nottingham came in um, is, you know, uh, and offered and one of those things just decided to go with it. And yeah, I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you what, what happened or why it, why it, uh, why I switched, but, um, yeah, it, it, it didn't end up working out, but yeah, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that like made me switch. It was just, you know, I thought I liked the signings that, um, they'd made, they're bringing in a new coach, um, with a, with a good resume and stuff, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing juicy. I can't give anything juicy yeah. to you. So it looks, it looks worse than it was. So. Yeah. Well, I'm just like, I, I'm assuming it was a one-year contract the first year there. Okay. So yeah. 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 Got it. Um, love that. Any, any, we're going to jump into some advice here soon, but any like superstitions or game day rituals you got anything crazy like that or or maybe if you didn't have one was there one player you played with that always did something that was weird um that that you can share um yeah so i i used to be all sorts of like little superstitions like put my stick in a in the same spot um i've kind of got away from that kind of stuff but uh i always i always put my right like everything on my right side on first. So like right sock, right shin pad, right elbow pad. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. I eat, try to eat the same breakfast um, at home games anyway. So nothing, nothing crazy. What's the same breakfast? What's the go-to uh, game day meal? Yeah. Usually just a smoothie, um, all sorts of, I mean, there's there's a lot of in there. I don't need to go through there. It's it, it would sound really nasty too. It makes <laughs> so you put the gross stuff in there. You yeah. slurp it down and exactly yeah that so there and then um yeah just usually eggs and some ground bison. So there you go. That's the Montana Montana guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. So so Jody, before you jump into advice, last thing. So you're currently playing in the AHL. You're in what your second season with uh, Ontario Rain. Yep. Yep. About to go into playoffs. You're making that run. I'm hoping to see you pull on an LA King sweater or somebody else's sweater here pretty soon. Make that jump up to the NHL again after a little stint with the blues. But, um, you know, any, any last takeaways from, from your time, you know, that you're currently in, in season in the AHL and playing at the, you know, basically just a breath away from the NHL there. Yeah. Um, I mean, something I've noticed this year is, um, the, the young, young players are very good nowadays and, and adjust, adjust to things quickly. Um, you know, I think this, this league's gotten very young compared to my, um, first stint. I, I think my, my first year in Chicago, I think we had, I would like to say like five or six guys over 30 years old. Um, and this year our average age is like 22 22 and a half or something. So we're the league's getting very young and, and, you know, very good players. And this year, especially with, um, there, there was no, uh, OHL or no major junior at the start of the year. So we had a lot of, a lot of guys that normally would be playing junior playing with us. And, um, you wouldn't be able to tell. Uh, so that, that, that was, that was 
pretty cool for me to watch was, um, you know, the young kids jump in and, and uh, especially compare it to, to when I was young because uh, it's a lot younger now. And it's, it's cool to see, honestly, that they're very skilled and um, the game's, game's in good hands with, with these young kids coming up. Absolutely. Um, speaking of young kids coming up, this is kind of the piece of the the podcast where we just jump into, you know, just some advice and we try to stay away from just have fun. We got that like the first five times. Um, <laughs> which absolutely. It's the best game in the world. So I've, everyone who plays it has fun. Um, but any advice for let's start. We're going to do uh, coaches and players. Let's start with uh, coaches first. What's some advice you might have for you know, youth or junior coaches, something that, that you really liked one of your coaches or, or something that did, or just any type of advice for them? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, for coaches, I, I like, I like a coach that communicates, you know, have, have an open line of communication in both ways. Um, you know, I, I, um, I've had it both ways. I've had a coach that, you know, lets you know where you stand, lets you know what's going on. And, and I've had it the other way where, you're kind of guessing at what's going on. So, um, and I, I, I think I can speak for most players where, um, you know, a, a coach that communicates um, is a lot easier to, to, to play for, honestly, because you, you know what you need to do or you know what uh, is expected of you. So I, I think, I think for coaches, that's, that's a huge thing in, in my book. I, I mean, I, at least I know um, I like to, you know, have, conversations with my coaches um I like to know where I stand you know in the coach's eyes and you know if 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 they want me to change something um you know how are you how are you going to change it if you don't know about it so I'd, I'd say I'd say that love that what uh what about for hockey players you know kids that are growing up playing the game right now looking to jump into juniors and and things like that what what advice might you have for them yeah, I, th- I think I touched on it uh, a little bit already, but um, being consistent is huge. Um, you know, just doing doing uh, the things that you need to do to be successful. If if you bring it once every three games, like that's that's not that's not gonna not gonna cut it as you as you move up. Um, you know, you have to find it every night or every game, and um, you know, it's it's doing the little things as well. You know, it's everyone wants to go, you know, toe drag and then go between the legs and score twice a night. But um, there, there's other ways to contribute. Uh, like I said, you know, it, making a making a play on the wall and a breakout and four checking being hard to hard to play against. Um, you know, has it has its spot on every single team. Also, you know, you don't have to score 30 goals a year to to play in this game. So find find a way. Um, obviously there's stay at home D men, you know, there's, there's forwards that, you know, in the American league and the NHL that specialize at taking faceoffs and penalty kill, you know, they, they, they get most of their minutes doing that. I mean, obviously you're going to play five on five, but if, you know, there, there's a way to stick around and, and to do the little thing it's, you can do the little things and, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Figure out, figure out what kind of, what your game is, know your role and, and, and do that role consistently night in, night out, and you're going to find success and, and open up doors to reach new, uh, new levels or wherever you want to go. So with that, I think we're going to wrap it up, Dodie. 
I appreciate you coming on, man. What's, uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you, is, is there anywhere that people can find you? Any social media or anything like that that people want to reach out or do you want to have them come through the, uh, the podcast here and reach out to you? No, yeah, I, I can give my social media. Uh, I think Instagram is um, D-O-T-E-S underscore three seven. And Twitter uh, would be I can check here. I'll, let me double check. Yeah, I, I don't. Looks like you changed your your Instagram. It's it's D O T E S underscore by itself. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. No and then uh, Twitter would be the same. D O T E S underscore. So yeah, feel free. Um, you know, feel free to hop in the DMs and um, you know, if you have a question or just want to say hello, I'm open for that. Awesome, man. Well, Jacob Doty, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. It was awesome walking through your path. It's great to reconnect with you after, you know, these years, of, years ago of coaching with you. And it's been a pleasure getting on the ice recently at some of the elevated camps, having you out there helping the kids. It's, it's awesome watching you work with young Montana kids out there too. And best of luck with the playoffs. I know you're, you're jumping into the playoffs with the, with the rain here uh, coming up pretty soon. But before we wrap up here, last thing, so let's go hockey podcast. Let's get a, a, a let's go from you to sign us off. All right. Let's go. Awesome. Love it. Awesome. Jacob Doty, thank you so much, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Doty. Thank right. you. Yes. Jacob Doty, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I loved walking through your career and talking about the different stops and your way up to the AHL and, and everything in between. It's a pleasure speaking with you again, Doty. Um, but with that, I think we jump into the three stars of the night. Danny, why don't you kick this off? What do you have? Three stars. Three stars of the night. Um, one is Kale McCarr. I got the game on in the background. He just made an absolute play. <laughs> and the thing is, this is going to come out like two weeks, so it won't make sense, but maybe they'll see it. Anyway, sorry. Stars of the night. Um, third star is his advice for coaches. I love that when he talked about his advice for coaches that open lines of communication and that he wants to be told where he's at so he can know and, and get better. Right. And you're talking about a guy who like you think about the, the guys in the first line, the, the top scorers, they, they know where they stand usually. Right. But what about those guys that play and those girls that play second, third, fourth line, let them know, give them an idea. And just for coaches, like, and even the first line guys and gals, like you have to have open lines of communication with your players because that's what's going to build that up. That's what's going to allow you to have more success. And ultimately, that's what is going to make your players want to run through a wall for you as a coach. And so I would say the idea of just keeping those open line of communications was a phenomenal takeaway for me. The second star for me is the the when we talked about fighting and um, I was never a big fighter. I was in two career fights. I lost uh, I would say I'm oh so zero wins, one <laughs> loss and one tie. I'll give myself a tie, um, but it's part of the game. And like I played three years in the USHL, I got asked to fight a probably a dozen, if not more times. But the the idea and Cameron, you brought that up. Like you don't have to fight. Um, but I, what I really loved was when he said uh, he uses it as, as a temperature gauge where you know if the game's hot and things are going crazy and people are running around, okay, then there's a fight things cool off. Those two guys took care of it. Let's settle in type of thing. And there there's, I mean, people fight for different reasons and, you know, it's pretty cool when you, we got someone who does it at, at the highest level, one of the highest levels. And 
he's able to talk about it openly and, and he, I mean, he's obviously knows what he's doing. And so second, second star, just the idea that that fighting hopefully is here to stay in our game. Cause it's part of our game. Um, but the way it's happening now, like you have to be able to play hockey and fight. And so it's pretty cool that he's able to do that. So star number one coach, what do you got for us? Yeah. First star. Of the night, I've actually got two two pieces here. I might actually roll up into into each other into one one point. But my biggest takeaway from this is that if you're a listener or a parent of a listener or a coach, like whoever you are, and hockey is your dream and you aspire to reach high levels and make a career out of hockey, you know Doty's a great example of that. He's a kid that you know when he was a kid, like he's playing single A hockey in Billings, Montana, right? The hockey hotbed of Billings, Montana, right? And then he jumps into tier three hockey and, and jumps from there. So like, he's a kid who never played triple a, he never played prep school. He, uh, you know, and yet he, he kept following his dream and he kept jumping up a level, figuring out that level, getting better and better and better, mastering that level and jumping up to the next level after that. And so he's, you know, a kid from a non-traditional area that followed his, his dream and his path. And he's making a, you know, a pretty darn nice, professional hockey career for himself, traveling the world, making, uh, you know, making paychecks, you know, putting bucks in the net and, and, and putting the skates on every day. So it's a, it's a good thing. I think he's a good role model for kids that are, especially from a non-traditional area uh, that just because, you know, you're not playing on, on a certain program, that's a triple A program or something like that doesn't mean you can't make it. And he's a good example of that. And I'll roll into that too. You know, he mentioned that he spends his summers back in Montana and we don't have year round ice here, you know, except for one area. And, you know, where he lives. And I, you know, I know where he lives in the off season. He, he doesn't have ice there. He can't skate. And he, he still trains for hockey, even though he's not on the ice. I think that's a good lesson for players that are listening is that, you know, if you don't have a rink near you, or even if you do, like you shouldn't be on the ice 12 months out of the year, you've got to take in that off season. That's where you can really develop your strength and your quickness. I mean, he talked about, you know, nutrition and cutting weight. And he talked about doing speed training and jump training and plyometrics and, um, and running and like, you know, he's getting in shape in the off season. And then he's like maintaining and, and working on hockey skills during the season. And so I think that's a good takeaway is you don't have to be on the ice seven days a week, 365 days a year to, to reach whatever your level it's healthy to take that break. And if you're in a non-traditional area and you just don't have ice in the, in the off season, you can slap on rollerblades. You can slap on, you know, you can, you can grab that stick and golf ball. You can jump into project hockey, and start just doing the work off the work. ice, do the work. Um, yes. but I think, you know, <laughs> just do the work free plug for project hockey. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it's true. I think that's my first start of the night is, is one is, uh, you know, look at, at Doty's work ethic and, and the fact that he came from a spot that doesn't traditionally crank out a lot of professional hockey players and he did it. And that's a good role model for a kid to have. Thousand percent. Appreciate you coming on Doty. Um, this is one that you need to listen to because like you said, non-traditional hockey player doing big things. And so it'd be cool once he, you know, hopefully he gets that chance to play at even the next level. And I'd love to love to have him back on, obviously, if that, that works out, but either way, we'd love to have him back on and, and dive even deeper. So thanks again. We, we appreciate it. Uh, any final closing words? That is, uh, that's all I've got. I'm excited get this one out there and i'm excited to get Doty back on the ice for an elevated hockey clinic sometime soon good to do the work let's go